faces as well as some, I was, I'm not going to use the word older faces because that just sounds rude, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, I'm a bit older. I was just thinking it would have been pre-COVID times when I was here uh, last, so it has been a while. But a real privilege to come along in this series of uh, trying to, I guess, get a better understanding, try and engage more uh, with the Holy Spirit, you know, and looking at the different topics, it, it looks very varied in the way that you're doing that. And, you know, I'm sure you've been already blessed by the various speakers that have come along um, in that vein. So today, I forget because we're on Zoom, don't we? I have to stand still. It's okay. <laughs> so today, um, I was asked to talk about wisdom and knowledge, which, you know, are in the gifts of the Spirit. And I thought I would just start out by just sharing a little bit of my own journey and, you know, why I might be able to just share a little bit about this. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in wisdom. I think that would be very dangerous for any of us to do. Uh, however, I did smile this morning because I was remembering, and some of you know my really good friend Michelle, and she, she was on a walk with um, her son, and I don't know, they must have been talking about friends, and said, how would you describe Janie? And he said, oh, a little old wise woman. And I was like... <laughs> Well, maybe I'll take the walk. I'm not really. <laughs> I was like, going, oh, I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh, well, I suppose to a 30 year old. <laughs> That's what I look like. <laughs> so there we go. That was from the words of Stan. Um, but I, when I was about to turn 50, I kind of woke up at one point and went, I think there's something more to this faith thing than just doing. <laughs> And, you know, I was very active. I'm in the Salvation Army. I was doing great things. I was, you know, speaking in lots of places. You know, my career was very busy, etc. And I realized I belonged to a holiness movement. I don't know if you know that, but the Salvation Army is actually a holiness movement. That's the way that, you know, it was birthed. I won't go into a whole historical um, story about Salvation Army, but it is a holiness movement. And I thought, you know what? And I was a Catholic before I was a in the Salvation Army, so um, I had lots, you know, lots of teaching, I guess you would say, but I just thought, you know what, I don't really think I know what holiness is. I don't even know what that really is for me, what that means um, in, in terms of spiritual formation. And I literally laid everything down. I just said, I, did every, I laid down membership, I laid down, you know, all my roles, and just said, you know, I'm laying it all down. Don't know what this means, but I'm laying it all down. And... Um, and from that emerged what I would say was a time of curiosity, just a time of going, okay, what do I, where can I get some learning? Where can I get some experience? Um, that's when I was very first introduced to the Enneagram. Again, I won't, um, can't spend a lot of, you know, today talking about the Enneagram, but it is a personality tool which helps you get to understand what your ego drives are and how that, I would say, derails us from being um, intimate with, with God and our true selves. Anyways, it, that was a, a part of that. And then I felt, you know what, I think I need to get a spiritual director, and I was feeling more inclined towards understanding Ignatian spirituality, so I looked for an Ignatian spiritual director, and then she said to me, I think you're ready to do the Ignatian spiritual exercises, which, um, again, if you'd like to talk to me more about that, I can talk to you more about that. But it's a very intense, I would say, 
time period that you dedicate to looking at scripture and really getting to know the love of God and who Jesus is, journeying with Jesus to the cross, and then living in resurrection. There's four different sections. And some people do that in 30 days. I did it in daily life. It took me over two years. I'm a slow learner. Um, but I wanted to make sure I did it well. Um, yeah, and I think I then trained to be a spiritual, I'm now a trained spiritual director. I'm a trained Enneagram practitioner. Um, I've just done the Wisdom School with Cynthia Bergeau, who I would say is a contemporary mystic um, and an expert in centering prayer. So through all these things is what I would say is, what I've learned is what I don't know is basically what I've learned. And what I mostly know is that when I am in a place <laughs> of um, doing the practices that I need to do and finding ways to be still and searching um, for the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord, what I know about myself is that I'm less driven, <laughs> I'm more present, I would say I'm more compassionate probably, um, find it easier to be kind to people. Um, yeah, and I'm just in a, a more centered place, which I think, as you'll hear me talk today, I think that brings us to a place of being able to receive wisdom. Because wisdom isn't something, and knowledge isn't something we grasp at. It's not something that emerges. And it, it can't emerge through striving and driving and knowledge and, you know, et cetera. So that's the place that I come from. So I am a learner, just like you. We're all, you know, got the big L plate on me. But we do have, I can't remember which scriptures. I think the scripture is coming up, actually. Yeah. So this is the, the foundation, I guess, of the scripture. Um, no, okay. Is to one, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. I love it when you go to a bit of scripture and you're going... Wow, that says wisdom and knowledge in the same line. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, do I go down a theological <laughs> and, you know, exploration of that? But I'm not going to do that because I do feel more inclined to talk about wisdom today. So, but that is curious, isn't it? That in scripture, that the knowledge and the wisdom is in the same line. It isn't always, by the way, but in this bit of scripture, when it's talking about the gifts, it is. Uh, and the simplest definition that I found, it said, knowledge is a collection of facts and wisdom is the ability to discern the use of those facts. You know, so good, yeah. So knowledge is a collection of facts and wisdom is the ability to discern what to do with those facts. Good, I'm here, getting here, because it kind of made sense to me as well, right? Yeah, so, so um, but interestingly enough, the word wisdom is mentioned in the Hebrew Bible 222 times. You'll be glad to know we're not going to look at all 222 bits of scripture today. Um, but I just thought that was really interesting. And also that it's regarded as one of the highest virtues amongst Israelites. It was alongside um, justice and kindness, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because we hear a lot about being just. We hear a lot about being kind. But I think it's quite countercultural in our Western culture <laughs> to talk about wisdom and well, certainly in the churches that I belonged, you know, have belonged to in her teaching, not very often do we get taught about wisdom. And we are going to have various scriptures around wisdom, but I was led to um, from some people that I do some somatic work with. I don't know if you know about somatics, but that's getting our head, heart, and gut connected. And I have a group of people that I 
that I do regular, they're all Christians, <laughs> and we all work together on making that, you know, helping us get better at doing that. And um, Chris, one of my colleagues that I work with on that, when I said about wisdom, and he said, go to the Book of Wisdom, and I was like, do you know that? Again, that isn't a book that we normally pick up on a Sunday, is it? The Book of Wisdom. And I don't even know how much you know about the Book of Wisdom. Now, if you are Catholic, it would be in their canonicals, I think, and Greek Orthodox. But in Protestant Bible, it's not in our Bible. It's in, what's it called? The Acropolis? Apocrypha. Thank you. Thank you. Apocrypha. There we go. Yes. I can see it spelt, saying it was another, was another thing. But it was written in Greek, but it's a Jewish text, but it was actually written in Greek. And it is available to us, but it's just not around that much. Just as an aside, interesting, on the wisdom school that I attended, um, the scripture that we were using was from the Gospel of St. Thomas, which is actually also not a gospel um, that's available to us in our tradition, but it is available it's an ancient text, and it has been rediscovered. And in the wisdom tradition, it's a text that um, the mystics would go to for wisdom. So isn't that interesting? I just find that interesting, that two very important books to do with wisdom aren't actually included in the Bible that Protestants are given for their scripture. So again, I'm sure we could have a very interesting discussion about that. <laughs> yeah, that's another topic for another thing probably a small group. Um, but I thought what we would do is we would read from the Book of Wisdom. So you've got it here, and I want us to read it together, literally like everybody participating, so taking a line at a time and just reading out as you feel led. And there's a lot of them here. I think we go up to 30 verses. But it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful, and probably something we actually haven't come across before. So... Before we read, I'd just invite us to just, if you can, just take a breath, bring yourself into this space. We've been busy, busy getting here, busy listening to my voice, <laughs> and um, we'll just invite the Holy Spirit to join with us as we read these words. And I would invite you to notice what jumps out at you, which of these lines jumps out and that you become curious about. And that will already start our wisdom exploration. You can find this reading and all Janie's notes on our website, www.proximitychurch.co.uk forward slash learning. Solomon's respect for wisdom. Therefore I prayed and understanding was given me. I called on God and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepters and thrones, and I accounted wealth as nothing in comparison with her. Neither did I liken to her any priceless gem, because all gold is but a little sand in her sight, and silver will be accounted as clay before her. I loved her more than health and beauty, and I chose to have her rather than light, because her radiance never ceases. All good things came to me along with her, and in her hands uncounted wealth. I rejoiced in them all, because wisdom leads them, but I did not know that she was their mother. I learned without guile, and I impart without grudging. I do not hide her wealth, for it is an unfailing treasure for mortals, 
Those who get it obtain friendship with God, commanded for the gifts that come from instruction. For both we and our words are in his hand, as are all understanding and skilling crafts. For it is he who gave me unerring knowledge of what exists to know the structure of the world and the activity of the elements, the beginning and end and middle of times, the alternations of the solstices and the change of the seasons, the cycles of the year and the constellations of the stars, the natures of animals and the tempers of wild animals, the powers of spirits and the thoughts of human beings, the varieties of plants and the virtues of roots. I learned both what is secret and what is manifest, for wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me. The nature of wisdom. There is in her a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all, and penetrating through all spirits that are intelligent, pure, and altogether subtle. For wisdom is more mobile than any motion. Because of her pureness she pervades and penetrates all things. For she is a breath of the power of God, and a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. Therefore nothing defiled gains entrance into her, for she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God, and an image of his goodness. Although she is but one, she can do all things, and while remaining in herself, she renews all things. In every generation, she passes into holy souls and makes them friends of God and prophets. For God loves nothing so much as the person who lives with wisdom. She is more beautiful than the sun and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. Anybody have a response to that that they're just willing to share? Anything strike you? Any particular verse strike you? How did it feel reading that? Yeah. So chimes of truth. Yeah. And that is so. That is really insightful. Actually, I had forgotten about that. He writes it, doesn't it, from a place? He writes from a place of what the world might think. He has everything, but yet he goes to a depth of saying. This is more important than any of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really a lovely insight. So she was saying that it brings a lightness, which is interesting, isn't it? Not a burden. It's not, as we read it, it's not something like, oh, this is really heavy. It's like, wow. I don't know if you felt that even. Maybe felt something kind of stirring in your spirit as we read it. 
She, yes, interesting. Yeah, again, probably not something we hear a lot. Yeah, using the feminine of wisdom. Yeah, that that was how Solomon chose to describe wisdom was in the feminine rather than the masculine. Again, unusual, especially in those times. You know, so there was something about wisdom that made him feel different, I guess, to use the feminine rather than masculine. Yes. Yes. Yeah, lovely, unique, yeah, mobile, yeah, not static. It's a moving, yeah, it's not a one-time thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got it. I wanted to make sure you had it on a handout. I would say that might be something that you want to sit with because I'm sure that something will emerge. Um, that when I very first read it, the thing that really jumped out at me was, for God loves nothing so much as the person who lives with wisdom. Yeah, that really jumped, jumped out at me. And then I, what came to me then is, you know, why do we want wisdom? You know, in our, in our Western society, we, we might want wisdom so that we can look good or look clever or elevate ourselves. True? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that sometimes, you know, I if I'm being honest, there's probably times when I've said, oh, I really could do with some wisdom, and it's probably so that I can look wise in the room or, you know, have some special insight that might, you know, particularly make me look good or something like that. If I'm being really, really honest, that sometimes it's my ego that wants, you know, the wisdom. Um, but if we go to, I think there's a slide, yeah. If I just read them out, you'll know, you, you, you know where they are anyway, so... Um, but it is more precious than rubies. In Proverbs 8.11, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, which is equating also to what Solomon was saying, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So really it's not about wanting wisdom to look good. It is actually um, the opposite. And in receiving it, it isn't about intelligence. It really, really isn't about intelligence. In fact, whenever you read any of the wisdom writers or hear them speaking, they'll say that that gets in the way, <laughs> that our intelligence can actually get in the way um, because our brain is actually incapable of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It helps us get out of our heads because if we're in our heads searching for wisdom, our brain gets the facts and it gets the knowledge, but we don't get wisdom from here. Wisdom comes from here. And it comes from here. <laughs> it doesn't come from here. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.19, it says, and this, again, I don't think I've ever really looked at this, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like the intelligence isn't going to get us to where we need to get to. In fact, the Spirit's saying, I'm going to frustrate that intelligence. Yeah. And also, what we know about wisdom is that it's available to all of us as followers of Christ. We, there's lots of scriptures we can look at with regards to that. But I've just chosen the one from James 1 verse 5 where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, and also said it in the, the wisdom we just read, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And there's another really good bit of scripture around, which I haven't included, but where it says, you know, as followers of Christ, 
you know, we're given wisdom. As followers of Christ, it is available to us. It is available to us as followers of Christ. It's do we let it arrive? What do we do? And that's really what we'll be talking about is how do we know when it arrives and what do we do to get in the way of it arriving? <laughs> and that will be how we move forward this morning. So I'd like you to do an exercise with me to think about a time when you have had a moment of wisdom. It could have been you were making a big decision. It could be something very small because sometimes moments of wisdom come in the moment, don't they? Or you're in a conversation and the right question comes along or you have the appropriate insight. There's something that comes from somewhere else besides here. And so I want to invite you to put your feet on the floor and um, just allow yourself, we call this grounding, there's nothing magic or mystical about it, it's literally just getting grounded on the earth so that we're present. And then I want to invite you to just take a couple of nice big breaths so that you just relax and... You might even find when you do that that, you know, you might find somewhere where you're sitting that's tense and just let that relax a little bit. Just, it's not, you'll know. Just like it might be your shoulders, it might be your legs, and just give something a little shake, just so you're really relaxed. And now just take a moment to remember And we do this in the Spirit, so Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us remember a moment where you were experiencing wisdom. You had a really, an insight that came from somewhere that you weren't expecting, where the Spirit dropped a little something in. Just picture where you were, who you were with. You might have been on your own. You might have been with others. And then notice what were the circumstances that allowed that wisdom to emerge? What were you like in that moment? What was the environment that you were in? What... What needed to be there for you to have this moment where you received that wisdom experienced, a moment of wisdom? Hmm. Just um, share with the person next to you what, from remembering that moment, what was there when you receive the wisdom. If you are thinking, I can't think of anything, that's okay too. Talk about that. That's part of it. Is it going, oh, really interesting that I found it difficult to remember one of those moments. So just take a couple of minutes and just talk with somebody about what you think needs to be available to you um, or what is available when you have those moments of wisdom.
So what, what um, were some of the insights that you had around what helped those moments of when you did receive wisdom? Or maybe somebody was sharing wisdom with you, but you were, you know, so you're a recipient of it. Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And so something that speaks to me there is it's an unexpected, it's something that comes unexpectedly because you didn't go with the intention of having that insight, did you? So in the moment when you received that insight, how were you in that moment? What were, you know, how were you connected to God in those moments? How were you? Right. So you had people surrounding you in prayer. You'd been praying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What else did people just notice doing that exercise when you're actually thinking about moments when you have had wisdom or been in a moment where you've seen it, experienced it? You know, no, and I think, again, that's the thing of wisdom, isn't it? It's not like there's an, always an explanation. That often when it arises, people describe it as being a mystery, you know, like it's more mysterious. It's not quite, there's not a clarity around it, but there's a sense that this is something, there's a stirring of something. But what, what I heard also there was you were in presence. You were, you were in the presence of others. You were in the presence of worship, you know, in the, in the Lord. And, you know, I think that is often how people describe. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't come without that. It doesn't come without the prayer. It doesn't come without. And we'll, we're, so we'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of the things. This is not from any book. This is just from my own experience, right? Or, you know, so I'm, I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm just sharing what I've, what emerged to me. And actually, I was on a retreat when this emerged. Um, and I wasn't expecting this to come. So I knew that it came from the Lord because I wasn't working on this talk. I was actually on my, a separate retreat, not even thinking about this talk. But in one of my... Um, afternoons, this, this came, these different areas came to me. So um, first of all, and I, I was just thinking about your situation, Rob, that, that you were probably at a place of humility. And I think that's when things go wrong, you know, and things are stripped away. <laughs> it brings us to a place of humility. And as I listen to others and in my own experience, I think this is a foundational um, part of wisdom, is humility. Letting go of the ego, letting go of what of knowing <laughs> and going, I will need to put my place, self in a place of unknowing. Um, I read a quote by Richard Rohr. Some of you will, will know him. He's a um, Catholic priest and does a lot about ego. And he said this, when the ego invests itself in its knowing, it is convinced that it has the whole picture. <laughs> Humility before reality and never assuming I understand. <laughs> never assuming that I understand. I love that humility before reality. Because we can make up all kinds of stories, can't we? Of the facts even. But it's letting go of that. And I was listening to Brian, and he actually, the C.S. Lewis quote came up, didn't it? Yeah. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I just had to that answer. One, Brian knew I listened to his talk, but wanted to give him, you know, credit for remembering that. Um, and then Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Interesting, but with humility comes wisdom. You know, and that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to keep our ego <laughs> out of the picture because our ego is trying to protect us all of the time. Our ego wants to control because it, our e that's the way that 
our ego keeps us, well, believes it keeps us safe. That's how we're kept safe. And this takes a lot of work. And, you know, Paul writes a lot about ego in his writings. So if you want to, you know, about in lots of different ways. So it's really interesting if you explore Paul so much. And so does Jesus, of course. Jesus was the first teacher about that. But it was one of the things that Paul, I think, had to learn a big lesson about. And so I think that's probably why he writes it um, so much, is just really doing that work and noticing when we're getting hooked into our egos. Um, I think this might have been Pete recently, Pete Gregg, maybe in Lectio. I'm not sure, because I just write things down in my journal, and then I go back and I'm like, I'm not really sure where I got this from. But he was quoting from Thomas Akempis, which a book called The Imitation of Christ, and I think it was Pete. And this is an amazing quote. It says, it's in old language, so you kind of have to try and um, understand it from without all the, but we'll, we'll go with it. If it seemeth to thee that thou knowest many things and understands them well, know also that there are many more things which thou knowest not. <laughs> Be not high-minded, but rather confess thy ignorance. Why desirest thou to lift thyself above another when there are found many more learned and more skilled in Scripture than thou? To account nothing of oneself and to think always kindly and highly of others this is great and perfect wisdom. So there's a real consistency in the teachings, not just of Jesus, not just, you know, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, you know, through Proverbs, through the Psalms, but also in our own experience, that humility is absolutely the foundation, I would say, to wisdom. So that's probably... We could end the lesson there, but we'll continue. <laughs> um, the other thing, the next thing that, that arrived to me was this intimacy of relationship. And I'm caught, for me, it's a Trinitarian relationship. It's so important. Again, you know, the Trinitarian concept isn't something that we often spend a lot of time on. But when we look at the teachings, it's about intimacy with the Trinitarian God. We're Christians. <laughs> We're followers of the Trinitarian God. And um, there's this scripture, again, that really jumped out to me. And I don't know that it's kind of jumped out in such a strong way as it did when I was doing my preparation for this, from Ephesians 1.17. And this is a prayer, right? I pray that the Father of glory, the Father of glory... <laughs> the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom <laughs> and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I feel like we could just spend a whole <laughs> hour on that bit of scripture. <laughs> That's a Trinitarian prayer, isn't it? That it's not just a prayer that the Holy Spirit would come and give you this gift of wisdom, you know, but the Father of glory, who's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart the riches of the Spirit. But to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. So I guess the question is, how do you, how do we, how is your intimacy? How is your intimacy with our Trinitarian God, and how do you nurture? It's a practice, isn't it? Practicing that intimacy. You'll know through friendships, um, 
you know, families, um, you know, marriages if you're married. To nurture intimacy takes time, doesn't it? It takes effort. It, it's deliberate. It's deliberate, intentional. And so there's a real challenge there, isn't it? If I'm really searching for wisdom, how's my intimacy? How am I practicing? What practices do I have in place in my daily life that help me to connect in an intimate way? Not in a head way, but in a real heart and gut way to this Trinitarian God. And some of those things that I mentioned, you know, um, any contemplative exercise will help you do this. Um, you know, practicing Lectio Divina, um, Centering prayer, there's a lot out there on centering prayer if that's something that you want to, which is a much more meditative um, way of praying. The Ignatian exercises, if anybody's interested in doing that, there's lots of different ways you can do that. A little plug, I think at Waverly at some point we're going to start doing them. So watch out for that. Because it is, um, so we, I think there's just a, an understanding, isn't there, in these times that it, it's so countercultural for us, one, for to have the discipline to do something like the Ignatian exercises, but also in our Western cultures of really sitting with something for a long time and sitting in the mystery and not knowing, which is what Ignatian does so much, and that's really the basis of Ignatian exercises. So, um, but any practices, and, you know, we'll get you to share with each other in small groups, you know. And, you know, if you have practices that you know help build that intimacy, um, that's great, too. And that's why people go to spiritual directors more, too, is because a spiritual director keeps you on track with that um, as well. So intimacy, that came to me. And the other thing which we've already talked about is presence. Um, I really think if you're going to be in a space of wisdom, there's something about being present. Present with God in whatever way. You know, like when you're talking about that, was like worship and you were with others, weren't you? And there was a real presence. And I think um, wisdom comes in those moments. But there's also this presence with ourselves. <laughs> really knowing ourselves, being honest about ourselves with our, the good and the bad and the ugly. But really being able to be connected to our hearts and our guts and, you know, and and again, it's so countercultural in our Western culture to do this. And, you know, we're so busy, aren't we? We're so busy doing and achieving and striving. And, um, but to really be present. And when you think about when those moments, like you were talking about with your brother, you would have been so present in that room that that wisdom would have arrived because you were nowhere else. You're like, this is a moment when I'm so present and maybe when you reflected on times when you did have those wisdoms, there was something about being present, either with the person you were with, um, and hopefully you're connected to you know, the presence of God as well, but it comes through that connection with ourselves, connection with God, connection, I'm present, right? So I'm connected, I'm with you wholly. And then there's the presence of whatever you're bringing into that space as well. And there's just something so precious isn't there? You know when you've been in those moments, haven't you, when somebody's really been present with you or you've really been present with somebody else. There's just something, I don't know. I don't want to say magical because it's not magical, but just depth. There's a depth that we don't get. And in fact, again, if anybody's following Pete on his not-called vlog, whatever he's doing on Facebook, but he really talked about it doesn't, uh, as part of his pilgrimage of learning the Lord really speaking to him about presence. 
So this is something, you know, which I thought, again, was really interesting about really, you know, being present. So I, I think that's really important. Um, yeah, so the scriptures, for wisdom will enter your heart. I love this. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> and then this presence with others. So train your heart to listen. How many times? It's all about here or here, you know, depending on where we feel it first. Some of us, it depends on our personalities. So train your heart to listen when I speak. Train your heart to listen. <laughs> he knows it's training, right? The writer knows this is this, this uh, you know, wisdom writer. That this isn't something we do easily. Train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit and why to expand your discernment and then pass it on to your sons and daughters. It's not something we're just receiving for ourselves, is it? It's not a selfish ambition. When we're seeking wisdom, it's not just about us. There'll be another outcome of wisdom. It's not a, a selfish ambition at all. So presence, God, self, and others. And then there's this real challenge around detachment to receive wisdom. This scripture, this is from the message version. You might feel a little, well, I do when I read it, feel a little arrow going in. If you consider yourself to be wise and who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove that you're truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate it for, for it by boasting and being phony. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of the world, both selfish and devilish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Um, but easier said than done, isn't it? We have these attachments. I've already talked about ego, right? All of us, again, there's, you know, we could talk about that for a long time. But our ego drives, those things that drive us, our selfish ambitions, right? Scripture's very clear about selfish ambition. Jesus is, you know, rich ruler. I mean, you know, how many parables are about, you know, selfishness? That needing to know, detaching ourselves away from that needing to know. Oh, hard. Striving, again, that striving that we want to, you know, get something right, maybe for all good reasons, right? That we can use all of these, you know, and disguise them to say, this is all good. Um, we can be attached to security, which can get in the way of hearing wisdom, because it does come from somewhere we're not expecting. And if we don't, if we're attached to security, we can ignore when we hear these options, these voices of wisdom. Um, and we can also, judging, I think, is another thing that we can get attached to. Judging right, wrong, black, white, <laughs> dualistic thinking. You don't read anything about wisdom that talks about dualistic thinking, right, wrong. <laughs> it's always a mystery. It's always an openness. Yeah, it's... Um... Yes? So you think that maybe it was easier mm. yeah yes thank you that's very true so it could be that we could think about what helps us feel secure 
Because sometimes what can help us feel secure doesn't have to be all those things, but we can find. But I think I like that because he did it from a place of feeling secure. But it's where are we getting that security from? Question, I don't know. It's made me think about that, right? Because we can get, think we need security in different ways. But you're right, it probably is a good place to, to receive when we are feeling secure. It's where do we get that security from? So I guess the challenge that I would give to you is, you know, what are those things that you're attached to? What do you think that, that could get in the way of you really hearing, really receiving wisdom? Um, so there's this other, I've, I've got a quote here from Cynthia Bergeau who teaches on wisdom. As the heart becomes pure, which means undivided, it sees God. Unless your heart is clear and your mind unattached, you can't hear that homing call, that internal small voice. Yeah. Unless your heart is clear and your mind unattached. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that makes me... <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so a lot of the teaching wisdom schools will use the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the kingdom of God. More heart. It's really interesting, isn't it? So much about this heart space here. Um, which is connected, by the way, to our gut as well. You know, it's all connected, but it's really getting to know that. Kind of makes me, just as I'm reflecting on that, there's something around what the Lord is speaking to us about this heart space, and really, are our hearts hardened? You know, what hardens our hearts? Yeah, in these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is simplicity. And I don't know, this just came to me because I just, through my own work and the work with others, I just think we make things so complicated. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be complicated <laughs> when you look at how wisdom arrives. It's ours, it's a gift, it's available to us all, and we make it complicated. Um, this great quote by this Benedictine monk, Bruno Barnhart, the problem with us human beings is that we prefer a manageable complexity to an unmanageable simplicity. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. Sad, but true. Um, but if we allow wisdom to be, to come, and all that, oh, those beautiful words that we read from the book of wisdom, there's a depth. There's just a simplicity and a depth. It's not complicated. We complicate it. We complicate it. It isn't actually complicated. And then in James 3.17, we read, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Again, this ties in very well with the book of wisdom that Solomon wrote. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere, yeah. Who wouldn't want that? What a beautiful desire to have on our hearts to get this wisdom that comes um, from heaven. Yeah. So let's go to that final slide. And those are the, you might have other areas, but those are the things that emerged. Um, and so I'd like you just to have some, maybe get into groups of four or five, I don't know, whatever the chair, however the chairs work, yeah, and, and think about what do you think gets in the way of receiving wisdom? 
Yeah, for you. Maybe it'll come for you. It might come for your church. I don't know. It could come, you know, for proximity. I don't know. But just what do you think gets in the way of us receiving wisdom? So we'll have five minutes in your... Well, actually, we could probably have ten minutes, can't we? Are we finishing at quarter past? What time? Yeah? Yeah, ten minutes. So ten minutes in your um, small groups about what you think gets in the way of you receiving wisdom. Well, it feels like there's a lot there to settle on, and I'm really loving hearing the buzz of things starting to drop and the Lord speaking to us and you know that will come in specific ways but I suspect there'll also be some corporate messages that come through you know as well so continue to share that with one another so to finish I would just like to finish in silence and inviting the Holy Spirit just to settle something for you what's the one thing that you need to you know take away from today there'll be lots of things that you might want to go back to and reflect on but let's just allow the Spirit just to to settle something really significant for us, each as an individual. And then if something settles for the corporate, you can let um, Sean and Christy you know, know that as well, something comes to you for the corporate as well. But, oh yeah, just take a lovely, big, deep breath and just breathing in the spirit as you take that big breath. We sit in the love of Yahweh very secure in the love of Yahweh and the grace of Jesus. And from that place, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to each one of us and that invitation, I love that word, invitation to highlight something specific that needs to land with me today. Thank you for that gift. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you will seal that and help each of us continue to be curious and explore and listen. (laughs) I'll just finish with that verse 28 from the book of wisdom. For God loves nothing so much as the person who lives in wisdom. So, Lord, here, that's the desire of our hearts. (laughs) We receive your love, and our desire is to be a person who lives with wisdom. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Janie. Let's give Janie a round of applause. Such a valuable time to gather together to, to talk about things like this when you get to sit around and talk about wisdom for an hour and a half, you know, really, really such a blessing. So thank you again, Janie. Thank you, Francis, for, for traveling to be with us as well. I didn't realize I didn't say that at the beginning. Francis is here, everyone. Francis McLaren. <laughs> Francis is great.
So, um, yeah, so thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Praise God for what the wisdom in, in choosing this space for uh, such a day as today, to have the air conditioning. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll take the echoes for the air conditioning today, won't we? So praise God. So thank you to Krangham Scout Group, as always, for being here. So be blessed. Go with your days. Uh, meditate on wisdom and uh, enjoy its fruit of a beautiful life. Amen. Thank you.